Hey, this is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector, some Spider-Man comics, some Batman and Flash comics, just a, a lover of pop culture. And you are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am tackling Star Wars Visions Volume 2, and I am joined by Megan and Rhea Carrigan. So I am posting this episode on the feeds of Star Wars Comics in Canon and Comics in Motion, and the full video version will be on my YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash genuinechitchat. So if you want to see our lovely faces, go check that out. But this is the same format as when I tackled Volume 1 back in November 2021, where we just go through the episodes in chronological order and give our general thoughts on the plot, on the themes, on the animation style, and those sorts of things. So it's just reviewing every episode of Star Wars Visions Volume 2 and comparing it to Volume 1. Now, if you didn't check out our episode on Volume 1, a link is in the description. But as these are all anthology stories, it doesn't actually matter if you have listened to Volume 1 or even watched Volume 1 of Visions. But I would recommend watching Volume 2 of Visions if you're going to listen to this, because there's a lot of cool stuff there, so I would hugely recommend it. And I do also want to apologise, this episode has come out late, it's just been an incredibly busy weekend, and friend of the show, Spider Dan from Spider Dan and the Secret Boars, actually came over and stayed with myself and Megan over the weekend, and I just have not had time to release this episode, so apologies for all my lovely genuine chit-chat listeners that it was a day later. There's not really much else to add here, so I'm just going to let the episode go on, and I will not be back at the end of the episode to give you any more information on what's coming up and things like that. I'll save that for when I do the next episode, which will be more of a standard episode. So when this all finishes, it'll all be done. But you hear all the plugs and that sort of usual stuff at the end, as you would normally. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. I appreciate all of your patience and things. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, share with your friends, and consider going to Patreon. So without further ado, here is mine, Rhea, and Megan's opinions on Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And here we are for another Disney discussion. No, we're not, because Dan isn't here. He's betraying us. I'm recording another Disney podcast. But we are doing a Disney podcast. It is myself, it is Megan, and it is the fabulous Rhea Carrigan of the Fem On Collective. I'll allow Rhea to plug all of her amazing, incredible content at the end of this, because we just spent the last 35 minutes talking about nothing and catching up on stuff. Um, and realizing we actually have to do a podcast. Well, we, me, I'm, I'm the problem here. I'm sorry, friends. Um, but we're doing Star Wars Visions Volume two uh ria was very kind and joined uh us as well as jack on volume one which i think was two years ago now actually um it was longer ago than i thought it was um but volume one was all i believe it was all either japanese or or asian animation studios i'm fairly certain it was all japanese and it was a mixed bag some highs some lows link will be in the description go check it out it's brilliant uh, our conversation on it and we go for every single episode and we're basically doing what we're doing here so if you aren't already aware it's nine short episodes that are anthology uh, they're all made by different animation studios and volume two they've widened it so it's not just japanese animation studios there's ones from all over the world uh, and there's one and there's two in particular that when me and ria heard about them I flipped my lid about one and was excited about the other. And I think Rhea was excited about one and flipped her lid about the other. Uh, and we're both very excited to get to those. But they're, they're a little bit further down the line. So we have to wait, collect ourselves and things. But we're going to go through these in chronological order as they are shown on Disney+. Plus. Um, and each short, I would recommend checking them out. I think Volume 2, the general consensus is we think it's better than Volume 1. But we'll delve into all that as we go. So we'll start off with the first one which is called Sith. It's by El Gurio, um, Guri, El Guri Studios. I assume that's how it's pronounced. 
I should have checked this beforehand. Oh, Guiri. Guiri. Yeah, is it Spanish. I believe it's Spanish. It Spanish. Yeah. Then it, it's a then Spanish it, studio. Yeah. Then it would be El Guiri. El Guiri. Okay. Thank you, Megan. I'm uh, basically so... relying on you, Megan. Yes. For the pronunciation. <laughs> for the that's, that's the reason here. We don't want your opinions on any of the shorts we watch. We just want you to help us pronounce things. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fine because I probably don't remember any of them. Uh, well, we had to. We rewatched a few of them to make sure. Megan was like, "I don't remember this at all." And I skipped through. So, oh, no, I remember that bit. I was like, "Yeah, okay." I remember Do you know, the C three PO bust. Yeah. I still don't remember the final episode from the first seasons of Visions. Oh yeah, that the, still don't. Got yeah. no clue. It was good, but it wasn't amazing. It's you know the, the best ones in series one was just the duel and uh, the ninth Jedi. Like the village bride was cool, but the ninth Jedi had some of the best storytelling I think in in Star Wars ever. And then I think the duel is probably the best animated thing I've ever seen. Maybe there's a couple of contenders strong, here. Strong, coming yeah, out strong indeed. But I would say that in the, the force. I think nice. I think the duel and ninth <laughs> Jedi are better than probably everything here. Probably, Ooh. but no. But on certain rewatches, I may have changed my tune, but I'm certain that all nine of these are better than at least six of volume one. So this is a whole, I think this is a much more well-rounded, a much uh, better collection. But the first one, Sith, I want to mention about the animation, then I'll ask you, uh, Rhea, what you thought about this. But the, the animation style, I absolutely adored in this. I think it's my second favorite animation style. Um, my favorite style is actually stop motion. And there's three stop motion uh, shorts in this. And I think one of them does phenomenal. One does pretty damn good. And the other one doesn't do as well. But the, this, I, I tried looking into it a little bit. But what I think it is from looking at the visuals is I believe it's glass painting or it's it, it's kind of glass painting but it's digital glass painting which what i think it is is someone basically if people visualize it painting on a pane of glass and then putting another layer of glass on top of that and painting on that and doing loads and loads and loads of layers of that i think disney used to use that in some of their um older animation styles you can see them doing like eight panes of glass and that's how they do certain uh, shots in a lot of their uh, uh, movies and things but i think that the combination of the 3d sort of models mixed with all the background stuff it's all this beautiful uh like on glass painting i just thought this looked so good and on the rewatch oh I, I could i could watch a whole film looking like this um so ria what did you think of sith so it's visually the most stunning without a doubt what a way to open the season i was mm. completely blown away by it so much so that I kind of forgive it for I don't think it's the strongest story. I don't think okay. it's completely original. Um, and, you know, there's the whole having a nightmare, and just got a robotic arm. So you just sort of know that it's like, okay, right. And it's called Sith, obviously. Like she was, she was a Sith and she's escaped, all of this sort of stuff. And, she, and you know, all of that felt really plodding. Mm -hmm. But the way they transformed the story through that animation made a huge difference. I think some of the things that could have been clunkier on the page or even as live action was completely different through the animation the bringing together of the light and the dark and her trying to figure out who how they work together and how both are inside you know a lot of that dialogue as I, like, I was like this is a bit heavy-handed there's no subtlety but the visuals of it 
was so, was was so much subtlety and reading between the lines and expressionist it is just like an expressionist painting it is like going somewhere into a room that's just got expressionist paintings on every single wall and on the ceiling and on the floor and you're just in there and you're and you're taking it in and you're see you're interpreting in it in your own way and seeing what you want to see from it it's just absolutely beautiful and so that makes me forgive it quite a lot and made me I don't actually have a ranking. I feel like I should have done a ranking. Oh, I didn't Rank do a ranking either, one. actually. Okay, good. I think we should have done, though. Probably. Ah, I think we did last time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it as we go. We'll do it in our minds. We'll, we'll figure it out vaguely. <laughs> um, it made this a lot higher up than I think in, if the animation had been worse than it, than it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it's definitely. I think with this whole volume, what I found, actually, is in the first volume, I was like, this all looks cool. But... None of it really had any emotional beats for me. Mm -hmm. This one's the opposite. I struggled to not feel something in almost every one of these. There's one or two I was like, meh. But there's a couple and I was like, oh, didn't expect from a 15 minute stop motion short I'd be so emotional, (laughs) which this one, not as much. This was less so uh, emotional. But uh, Megan, what did you think of Sith? It was all right. I like <laughs> the catchphrase. The catchphrase comes it's out back. already. Anyway. I, I, I liked her lightsaber. Yeah, you oh, really like that bit. I really, she, really, really like the, the lightsaber. And then she f- flicks it, and as she realizes the dark and her light, the, the design of that is incredible. Yeah, I thought it was sick. You vocally really... said something when it came out, didn't you? You were like, I, I think I literally went, oh, mate, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except with a bit more enthusiasm. Yeah, not, oh, mate, I love that. <laughs> um. Yeah, the actual episode itself, I wasn't that fussed on, but I liked all the color. Mm. Um, the animation style for me was a bit janky at parts because it just kind of made me feel like my eyes were going a bit fuzzy just because it was like blurred at the edges. A lot of the stuff, wasn't it? Um, But I liked it. I I liked, yeah, all the color and how it all comes together, the light and the dark. And then, yeah, the the lightsaber I really, 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 really liked. Yeah. I think, I think it's funny with visions, isn't it? Because we said it about the ninth Jedi and I don't want to spoil about the ninth Jedi, just in case people are listening to this and haven't checked it out. And I don't know why people would be, but go do it. Go watch them. But the Ninth Jedi, the idea behind the concept of Ninth Jedi is the reason that that story works so well. And I think with this one, yeah, the the dialogue is heavy-handed. You know, I like the paint. I was going to say paint metaphor, but it's not a metaphor because they just blatantly say she's an artist. Yeah, Yeah, she's an artist. And every time the dark and light is mentioned, there's some sort of degree of paint. So, I mean, I think for kids, even though it feels like a mature short i think for kids it could work quite well understanding that's why i think the the theme of this volume is it seems to be a lot more about balance because there's a lot of dark side and light side in a an antagonist and sometimes the dark side takes over and sometimes the light does and i think for me that's how i felt about this this collection yeah i mean i was really blown away by this i really liked the first visions i thought it was really fun it was a really nice way to reinterpret the what I love about Star Wars and what I love about the original Star Wars and the wider universe is how they build out so you know as a kid I watched the original Star Wars series and I started reading the books and playing the computer games and it just built on all this lore and so many of it was I mean as you all know Mike was built around like the Skywalkers but so many of so much of it isn't And that was so exciting to me. And it's, you know, that's been one of my biggest disappointments with the latest films. It's kind of like it felt like there was a world that was opening up and it got closed down again by J.J. Abrams. Um, But the first visions, and I know it's not canon, is it? But it, it, it was really exciting to have something feel new and fresh 
And so I came to this being like, oh, it's just going to be, more. I know it's different animation studios and there's a couple of here that I'm very excited about, but it's going to be the same sort of thing. And it isn't. And I was blown away. I'm not going to lie, when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, I'll just put it on in the background because they're just short animations. It'll be really easy. No, I was captivated by each one, e- even ones that I didn't particularly like. And that's and mostly through personal taste. I think the animation in all of them is absolutely stunning. I couldn't stop watching. And I couldn't get over exactly what you said, the emotional response that I had. And I felt like, and I hate people that say this, I felt like, wow, this is my Star Wars. Because mm. this is the world I've wanted to be in. Like, you know, I've wanted anybody to be able to be a Jedi or be connected to the Force or be connected to the Sith or anything. But also it's the, it's basically, there's two, like two giant um like it's the Empire and the Rebels, right? And they're at war. And so it's like these two giant superpowers at war. And the stories that we're seeing in this Visions, in Visions 2, is of just the normal people and how that affects them and how their stories are told. And I'm like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm really, really passionate about Visions 2. I really enjoyed it so much more than I thought. And the folklore and the fairy tales, the stories that they're trying to trying to tell us mean more more for me than the first visions which was you know it was style and fun storytelling and I also think that's great but this was more and I feel like by opening it up to outside um like America and other big Japanese anime studios I'm a fan of anime but I find it can be quite repetitive and it tells the same sort of stories and this has blown that part so many different stories but yet it still feels like Star Wars and I just like it's so cool (laughs) It's so cool. It is. It's one of those. And there's so many episodes. Like in the first Visions, there was like, I think we agreed that the Ninth Jedi, maybe the Village Bride and maybe the Jewel could work as either a movie or a series, but the rest of them, not so much. With this, I'm fairly certain apart from probably two of them, they could all be entire series or movies. And that's what it's one of the, it's got a bittersweet with this. Because it's like, there's certain ones and you're like, that was so good. I just want more. And I don't think I'm ever going to get more, mm-hmm. but I, I really want it. So with um with Sith, so it, it's quite a simple story, but it is very visually um, visually appealing. That's the main thing. Um, there's not really anything else from me that I want to mention about this apart from the main... I've got a few little nuggets of Easter eggs uh, for most of these, just little references to other content, which was, in this one, the main Sith looked like Darth Malgus. Um, from the uh, Knights of the Republic games uh, and the book Deceived, which I've recently finished. If you want to hear my review on that, go to Patreon. Um, but with that, if you're happy to move on, we can go on to the second one, which I'll let you introduce this, uh, Rhea, <laughs> because this was the one that I knew when they an- when we when when Divisions Two got announced and they said they're opening up to the rest of the world. You and I, because I think you pushed us to watch Wolfwalkers which is phenomenal, and we absolutely adore it. We haven't watched the other movies by the animation studio, but we're going to eventually. But you and I were both like, come on, Cartoon Saloon. Come on. Come on. Yeah. And then when it got announced, it was just like, yes. I so can't please. believe it happened. I, I cannot know. believe it happened. We had a whole discussion. We were like, what if someone like Cartoon Saloon got to do Visions? And it happened. And I feel like we manifested that. I agree. I'm sure there were other things that happened, but I think we manifested yeah, that. We definitely so, did. We definitely. So Cartoon Saloon are just the uh, an amazing animation studio based in Kilkenny in Ireland. Um, done amazing films like The Secret of Kells, uh, Wolf Walkers, Song of the Sea, My Father's Dragon. And they 
this is my favorite episode <laughs> hands up this is I my favorite episode be. yeah and I was I did go in being like I mean obviously I'm gonna love it but I didn't know that it was gonna be my favorite episode and I was like I, I know it's gonna be good but I just didn't know and so Screech's Reach is about there's um some young children basically who work in uh, I guess it's like a sweatshop and they want to leave. They like this specifically young girl named Dal. She thinks her, you know, there's more to life. She's got like a special necklace with a little thing. And there's a a myth, a tale about Screech's Reach. And you go there and you defeat the ghost. And then there's a brighter world on the other end. So they go off on this adventure. They steal some speeders, which is like my favorite bit with the little dude's like, oh, it's a three-day walk. And he's like, ah, speeders. Um, <laughs> I was like, yes, little chaff. And then he bangs his head against the wall and the other one laughs. Ah, wackiness. How did you feel about the wackiness, Megan? I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I like wolf walkers and the little like crazy kid just reminded me of the, the, wolf, yeah. girl. the wolf girl. So I think sometimes it was a bit like, ah, in your face. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed this one. Uh, so, and then, so we find out that so Dahl escapes the cave, she fights the ghost, and her necklace is, I can't think of the right word, like I was going to say walkie-talkie, but that's not the right word. Help me out with the wording. Amulet. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to describe so, the you know, like you talk to people on it, her necklace, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a communicator. It's like a, it's like a okay. little comms. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And, um, and, and the reason I love this episode is this end reveal, because it is so freaking dark. And a woman comes down and she's clearly a Sith Lord and she has been waiting for this so she can take Dal as her apprentice. And Dal's not allowed to take her friends and she goes off with the Sith Lord. And I was just like, this is fucking ballsy. I was like, I was like, what a dark end to an anime, Star Wars animation short. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't get over it. And I just, I had to sit there afterwards and like really take it in, and I just, I just felt like so overcome with, I need to know what happens next. Why is this not going to be a full feature film? <laughs> Come on, Cartoon Saloon! But I also kind of don't want it to be a feature film. I think this is the beauty of the storytelling of these shorts is as much as we want more, you don't need to have more. It's sometimes the thinking about it's more fun. And I felt that with this. This is the one I had one of the most emotional responses to because I was just blown away. And obviously it's so beautiful. That animation, it, it's so simple yet so expressive and it's so unique. And I love that they've got Irish accents. You know, I love that they stick to the roots. And I love that most of the storytelling in this does, like, you know, the the animation studios, they have native speakers they tell their indigenous stories and all of those sort of things. And this does feel like it could be an Irish fairy tale. Mm. You know, fairy, you know, traditional fairy tales are terrifying. Oh, yeah. There's a reason Disney Disneyfied them. And this feels <laughs> like it could be a terrifying original Irish folklore fairy tale. It's just so amazing. I'm going to stop talking about it now because we've got uh, seven others to talk about. Is there anything? Um, I've got a couple of thoughts on Screech's Reach, but is there anything you wanted to mention? I don't like the screamy lady. She creeped me out. The Screech. That's the point. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like how the animation like changed so drastically. But it's and in a good way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like obviously, it, like you didn't like it's, it. It's but its purpose. Me personally, it just it just scared me. Yeah. Um, it's ter- absolutely terrifying. And also, just suddenly very loud. 
Mm. Like it was, it was very aggressive, wasn't aggressive it? and polar opposite Both. to what the rest of the animation was. Art wise and vocally, it became very aggressive on saying to that yeah. game. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, one of the things I loved most about Wolfwalkers that struck me is the way that they do the backgrounds and the way that it's all hand drawn. You can see that, but the clever use of it, like the innovative mm-hmm. ways they use it. I'm not saying they're the only people who uh, do it, but. That was what struck me the most about Wolfwalkers. The story is great and it's it's a really fun and interesting tale, but the, the bare bones of the plot of Wolfwalkers, I won't spoil for anyone, but it is quite simple and it's yes, not anything new. Simple. But the way it looks and the way it unfolds and the characters themselves, and there's a few different elements to it, that's what really stamps it as something great for me. And with this, that's what I found. The start, when you're watching in the kind of sweatshop factory bit, and it's it's the way that the cartoon saloon do it, and I, I love the style. But as Megan said, when they go into the Screechers part, um, into this sort of cave or or the Reach, um, and there's that thing, I feel like it was very aggressively drawn, almost like not someone's holding a pencil like you would hold a pencil, like holding it like the bed. Oh, yeah, it was like And doing that scribbling. Yeah, I just, that is so, it's one of the things I miss about a lot of hand-drawn stuff. It's one of the reasons I quite like Studio Ghibli and things is because there's so fine detail in it. And I'm not slating any digital artists or anything because the vast majority if not all comics now are digital and you can do some great art with that but there's something about the analog i know it's not technically analog but it's it's something about that that i really love and i found that with this episode i have a few theories of what the screecher could represent and one of them could be what if it's her what if it's this cycle that this woman gets picked up by a sith gets used and abused for as long and then just gets dropped in this cave and just left to go mad by themselves. Oh, when she gets a new apprentice. Yeah, and then they send mm-hmm. send signals to another young apprentice who has to go and kill this crazy dark side-ish being who's just been left to themselves in this cave for so long after their mind's been warped. And maybe that's like a cycle. I kind of interpreted it like, I thought that was going to be the twist. I thought it was going to be, she was going to kill that woman and it was going to be her or something. And it was going to be some sort of strange force vision. Yeah, like but- was it going to be Luke in the cave? You yeah. know, you've got to think about, is it is it Luke in the cave? Is it her having a mental battle with herself? I love that idea, Mike. I love that idea that it's it's almost like being trained to become a Sith has, has drained the screecher of all of her humanity. And so the, the Sith Lord's like, ah, like you've not passed your training, basically. So I'm going to dump you in here and then the next person to defeat you. I'm going to take on the next apprentice. So is that going to happen to Dahl? You know, it's just like... That's brutal as well. Like when you watch basically a, a girl who's yeah, a teenager, you know, couldn't be older than 18, I'd say, kills a woman in cold blood. She's there and unarmed on the floor and she just looks at her and does that kind of... It was remiss of the Order 66 scene with Anakin and the kid mm-hmm. where just the blade gets ignited and you're like, oh Master no. Master Skywalker, what are we, we going to do? Going to do? <laughs> Kill you. Um, but that's and what kind of made me think of. Yeah, and you're so right with the animation. I think this is one of the reasons I like Cartoon Saloon so much. Like I've actually got some art that's not in here. It's in a different room from one of the artists that works for them. Um, and, you know, you can tell that she works there. It's very much her own style, but you can tell that she works there and why they've hired her. And because it does, for animation, it feels so real. You know, we're so, I love animation. I'm so used to seeing clean animation. Mm. Like animation these days is so clean. There's nothing. It doesn't feel tangible. No Whereas like, Yeah, exactly. Studio Ghibli is shot like you would shoot a real film. It just happens to be animated. But they also, you know, like the un- they understand like the stillness of a scene, holding things for too long, the details, exactly what you've said. And that and this invokes that it you, you know, when they're at the the sweatshop, 
and it, you've got that opening scene of them all, you know, turning the wheels, doing their jobs, waking up, and all of that sort of stuff. It feels real. It feels tangible. When she goes into the cave, it's genuinely terrifying because it's exactly like you said. It's it's like anger. It's just anger on the screen that happens to be drawn. It. It's just really special. And there's some others in terms of like sound design. I'm sure you can figure out which, where I felt that as well, um, which will be really interesting to talk about. I just think all of the studios, even the ones I don't like, have just knocked this out of the park. It's so good. I was going to use the exact same turn phrase. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say, I think in a decade or two, Cartoon Saloon will be held in the same regard in Europe as Studio Ghibli is in yeah. Asia. I genuinely believe. I've not come across an animation studio of that caliber before. Um, like, you know, that isn't a mammoth like Disney or something. But as you say, so many of them are just smooth animation, you know. And my favorite bit about Star Wars and sci-fi is dirty sci-fi. Yeah. District 9 is one of my favorite films ever. And I think yeah, it's one of the best sci-fi films you ever made. Prawn. You fucking prawn. Um, but like hey, that was actually it. good. Thank you. Nice. I do it all the time. I never prawn <laughs> You have perfected it. I'm always doing it. Um, but yeah, I love dirty sci-fi. I love that. And I quite mm. like, you know, regardless of... Um, some of the weaker parts of like Tarantino, the fact he often uses a film and you get to see on like Hateful Eight, I think there's a few that are added in to be fair, but there's those blotches and you get that in like Planet Terror by Robert Rodriguez and stuff like that. Mm. I, I love, I love imperfections making things better. Uh, last thing about imperfections, there's an album by a band called Let Live. The album is called Blackest Beautiful and it's all about imperfections. And in the recording, you can hear mistakes they made. They specifically cut in. Wow. And one of my favourite ever songs by them, there's a bit where the vocalist says the wrong line of dialogue. He gets two words mixed up. And after it, you hear him mutter, oh, fuck. And it's they kept that take because it's all about the beauty and imperfection. And I think that shorts like this really show that in, in a very visual art form um so if we're done with screechers reach we can move on to the next one um <clears throat> which is in the stars by punk robot now this one is the first stop motion um of three i think yep uh, first of three stop motion and although the animation is good i think this is the weakest stop motion i think the plot is all right but there are parts I, I want to say that I don't know how long the studios had to do this. I wouldn't be surprised by what I know about Disney with comics and with other publishing. Uh, like when I was talking to Kevin Shinnick, they're like, write us a Star Wars book. He's like, yeah, I've got a few ideas. Like, you've got three months. And he was like, you what? <laughs> He's like, I'll get you a draft in six months. They're like, no, no, three months. And I think he, <laughs> he did most of it in like five months. But Disney are very tight on on timelines and things. Um, so I, I do wonder if parts of this, um, of the imperfections might be they just weren't given enough time to potentially do this because the first probably five minutes of In the Stars it felt like most of the scenes were missing frames and it didn't feel like which Megan hasn't seen this film it didn't feel like Mad Max Fury Road where it was done intentionally to add on the intensity and the insanity of Max it, it didn't feel like that it felt like it was rushed and they because obviously it was stop motion it, well, the general thing is 30 frames per second, but now it's 60 frames per second. So you have to take 30 to 60 photos per second of footage. And the thing is with stop motion is if you miss, if you only did, say, 15 or 20, it, you can really notice it. And I feel like that's what happened here. So I think the story's good. And it's all about sort of, you know, natives were killed by the Empire. And then two young women are left and they try and take down this factory or they actually go there to get water and then inadvertently basically get kind of wrapped up and decide to take down the factory and they use the force to bring down that water the imagery and the message is cool the stop motion itself 
is not amazing. However, the animation on those rocks that happens twice at the start and at the end, where they look at how their ancestors were, was incredible. I, I absolutely loved that. I wonder if, Megan, you had any sort of thoughts on... I know that one we didn't... I think we only watched that one once, but what did you kind of feel about that whole one? I wasn't really fussed by this one, but I'm the same, that I liked the, the handprints on the stones and the drawings. I thought it was pretty. Makes you think of kind of indigenous peoples and stuff. Well, yeah, it's like the people that are native to that land that got fucked over. Like... <laughs> So many, so many other nations. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, like this episode in itself, I, I don't really think it's that memorable. Like I know that I tend to forget a lot of things anyway, but it doesn't really stand out. But I specifically remember the the handprints on the rocks because they were really pretty. It makes me think of the lanterns from like mm. Tangled. Mm. What did you think about this one, Rhea? Yeah, it's a really strange episode. There's some really beautiful through lines with the water and surviving and what survival means. So the older sister, you know, water is about physical survival. For the younger sister, it's about hope. It's about mental survival. She uses the water to create paint to make that beautiful animation because that she needs that to survive more than physical sustenance. There's something really interesting there and about how the empires come along and it's just ravaging uh, these planets and and just wiping out the people that live there so it's like so many interesting things that it feels it feels like it's a fable right it feels like it's you know it's it's from chile and obviously they've had a lot of political upheaval um and so it feels like it's trying to say something really strong there but i don't think the execution quite makes it in both the storytelling and in the and in the stop motion, I agree. It started, and I was like, "Oh, this feels a bit janky. It's not smooth." And but the character design is beautiful. I mean, mm. like, I mean, absolute stunning work. The detail on their face, the like, the fading of of some of the artwork on on their markings on their faces is just like absolutely stunning. But the the physicality of the stop motion doesn't quite work. And then we get those beautiful animated sequences. And by the end, like with the water and the water's flowing, again, that still looks amazing, but everything just feels slightly off. And I think that's a real disappointment. I didn't really think about the reasons why, but you're right, it does feel kind of rushed, which is such a shame because I think this episode actually has a really important message. Is it like the the a sophisticated message no but sometimes you don't need sophisticated messages and that's okay so it so like the clunkiness of it doesn't bother me but I do just wish I felt like you know this could have been a year in the making and it would be really beautiful and maybe some of the storytelling could have been tweaked a little bit so this would have been one of the best episodes Mm. because there are some really brilliant parts in it and you know, and and I kind of I'm a sucker for like this little kid isn't annoying. There is another little kid later who's very annoying. But <laughs> I did not find this little kid annoying, you know. But there's something beautiful in her hope and how she sees the world. And I just wish that had been able to had a bit more time to have more of an impact on us as the viewer. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything else you want to add about this episode? No. So we move on to the next one, which I'll let you introduce because I think mm-hmm. this was your favorite one, wasn't it? yeah i loved it yeah so there you go just in case you forgot what it was called it's called i am your mother and now every time i think of that it makes me think of that new megan trainer song that's 
Oh, I don't know that song. Oh, don't even. It's going to get stuck in your head. (laughs) And it's not not fantastic. Um, It's in all of the Instagram reels that I look at that basically all come from TikTok that I don't have. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so pleased you're like me. I thought it was like an old person thing. I watch TikTok, re- I watch TikTok reels on, on Instagram. I watch TikTok videos on Instagram <laughs> yeah. reels. Yeah, thanks. But yeah, it is I Am Your Mother, which is the I Ardman studio, which is the same people that did Wallace, Wallace and Gromit. And Chicken Run and, and Morph, Chicken Run. which are all cornerstones of... And I'm so excited for the new Chicken Run movie. I, I am, but for me, Morph, Morph was just my absolute childhood. And Wallace and Gromit is mm-hmm. something, I don't know, I, I know why, because it's phenomenal, but I remember me and my dad just always, I think it was Christmas. I don't know if it was on TV a lot, but because it was always them, on at Christmas. And yeah. also Wallace and Gromit is one of the OG animation shorts. Like, yeah, people the wrong forget, trousers was always on. Well, also Grand Day Out, which is amazing. And the yeah. robot in Grand Day Out is visible in this episode. And when I saw him, I was like, oh my God. That's like, yes. It's like my favorite moment in the whole of Visions, even though it's got nothing to do with Star Wars. Seeing the little robot from a Grand Day out. I was so excited. And it's little long. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, people forget Grand Day Out's only like, 15 minutes it's long really something. good and all th- I think all Grand three Grand Day is that the one where they go to the moon yeah, yeah. yeah. but then the other two cheese yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. But the other two are only half an hour 40 minutes long so you can watch the first three Wallace and Gromit things in I think an <laughs> hour and 20 minutes so at Blackpool they've got a at, at Pleasure Beach which is a is a theme park for anyone it does that, not sound like a theme park it's but not, it is it does, a theme park yeah, trust it's, us it's not it's a theme park <laughs> like a really like at Pleasure Beach <laughs> it's like a proper like seaside town theme park but it's like a bit more it's got like three it's rides it's a bit more elevated yeah. 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 but there's a Wallace and Gromit nice. ride there's a Wallace and Gromit right there. Yeah, and it's so good. I, I've been there before, so I said to Megan before going, I was like, the only thing I want to do is go on the Wallace and Gromit ride. That's all I the want to do The only reason again. I mention it is because you're saying about how long it takes to watch the episodes. We watch them on repeat because they have them playing while you're in the queue for the Wallace and Gromit ride. Really? And yeah. we, we must have, we got through all of them. Uh, but we watched, yeah, I think Grand Air was we were just, in the queue for a while. We were in the queue for about half an hour. And we watched the whole of a close shave. No, the whole of Wrong Trousers and part of a close shave, mm. um, which I love. A Matter of Loaf and Death isn't as good, but The Curse of the Werewolf is actually banging. It's but really sorry. good. It's really good. Uh, but it is about a girl and her mum. And the girl is like going to some fancy like flight um, school to learn how to become a pilot. And she's a bit embarrassed because they come from um, lower and a lower income household. So her house is not as nice as, as other, well, their, their ship isn't as nice as other people's ships. Um, and she thinks her mum's a bit embarrassing. So there's like a family race day at the flight academy place and she doesn't invite her mum. She forgets her lunch. So mum turns up with her lunch like a good mother should with the lunch. And then she's like, oh, why didn't you tell me about the race? And then she tells her that she's embarrassing. And then the mum's a fucking badass. Yes, she is. You always knew she was going to be. You always yeah. knew it. The way she was like dancing around to the music. It's like, rock, it's like heavy metal music as well. So cool. And I, I love seeing like... Coolest mum. She was cool. And it's like in... I don't love the film Secret Life of Pets, but they have a system of a down song in there that a poodle jumps to called Bounce. And that just cracked me up. If I ever see really heavy music in like less intense things like um it, it it just cracks me up i just i just love that sorry megan that's all right uh but yeah that's that's basically it but yeah the mum is a badass and then they do really well in the race um what, what did you like some uh, you love the wookie didn't you oh 
the, the animated <laughs> Wookiee. So and what else? Like what? Because th- I think this was among your favorites. What about this? Was your favorite? Then I think it's just nostalgia for me because I'm I'm actually not a big fan of of stop motion. Um, I don't really. I love it. I don't so. really like it that much. Whereas this is like this is is it classed as claymation? Is this what this yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I grew up with this specifically Wallace and Gromit. I think for me, it's it's kind of cool seeing it in a different franchise that I you wouldn't really expect it to be in, like. Other stock motions, I really, I don't like the animation style of it. Like the the Isle of Dogs, I really didn't like, and um, I liked Fantastic Mr. Fox as a film, but again, I find the animation style quite jarring. So it is, I it's weird that I enjoy this so much, but yeah, I think it is predominantly nostalgia. Like I remember being in infant school, like year three watching a grand day out i remember being sat on the hall in the in the like or sat on the floor in the hall and us watching it on like a fucking overhead projector on the wall that they'd like brought in and specific and and when you see is it the little penguins that put the likes the goggles on are they playing on penguins he's just the one it's the one penguin that put no when the rocket goes off when they go up to space oh no that's the they all put little goggles on don't they and then it's like and then they go, I'm up remember what it to is. go and get the cheese. But anyway, it's yeah. nostalgia for me. I really liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I also just like the relationship between the mum and the kid. Yeah, the mum kind of gets that she can be somewhat embarrassing and is obviously hurt by her uh, kid doing that thing. But she's so she handles it really well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she does she's not a dick about it. Like she she does it, she handles that uh, upsetness in a really nice way that doesn't damage their relationship, which I really liked. And I, I think this, I think one of the reasons that Wallace and Gromit works so well and why I love it so much is it's kind of that, it's just so playful and just so fun. Even when there are little like darker moments, it's still just, it focuses on the wonder of the world, less less so than the horrible, horrible stuff that can happen in it. And I think this episode, this is actually rated as one of the worst episodes. <gasps> um, what? Yeah, yeah, on IMDb, um, which upsets me quite a lot. But I, I this is one of my favourites, but yeah. I was just, I, it was the feeling, I think. I think it's hard, hard to describe, but just the feeling of wonder. And I feel like I never necessarily thought, like bouncing off what Megan said, I never thought I'd, I could even consider or comprehend an Ardman Star Wars. But now that I've had a taste, I'm like, oh, I, I would genuinely kill for either a movie or an, or just so cool. or just a whole thing of visions that's just all done by Ardman. Like, or like a morph thing with Ardman. Like any, I, I just love them. Sorry, Rhea, what are you going to... I was just going to say, I think another reason that I like this one so much is that it gives me like pod racing vibes. Mm. And like, again, I've said this so many times, like it's, I've, I've forgotten where I've said it, but like, Less so now, but when I used to think about Star Wars, I would I, de- I would associate it with the Phantom Menace, and I think of Star Wars and I think of the pod racing, and I, I like that it kind of like puts them together. It's like the episode of the Bad Batch, yes, that kind of also has pod racing vibes. A lot of people were like, "Oh, this is not very good," and I was like, "I actually really like it because it makes me think back to the thing that I really liked watching." But yeah, and it's really easy to follow. I think even though it's a racing episode, they they do it so well. But yeah. sorry, Ria, we haven't let you chimed in at all here. Wow, it's so lovely, please, so lovely listening to you and tell us all the things you're talking about are the things that Ardman excels at. The reason 
Aardman films work so well is because they take the everyday and they make them extraordinary, right? They take these stories that we all know. Grand day out is they literally want to go for a picnic and have some cheese. Like Von Trousers is is literally that they need a bit of money. They don't have any, so they get a lodger and it all goes a bit wrong, you know? <laughs> you know? And and somebody feels left out and it like ruins a, a human, you know, a close human, human and dog relationship. You know, it's all... And that's and that's why this really works for me because it's that smaller bit of Star Wars that I'm sure Mike, you always want to know more about when you're watching something or reading something like, oh, that's cool. Imagine if they just did like a little spin-off of just like this random little side robot. You like Mike, you'd be like, ah, gobble it up, I want it. You know, <laughs> it, that's that, that's what this is. It's such a small story. But what they've done more than some of the others is they've woven it into that Star Wars fabric that we recognise. We've got Wedge Antilles, we've got Pod Racing. Oh shit! Yeah, we've we got do. Wedge. Oh, I love Wedge. He's like one of my favourite side characters. Like, I got... And I met him. I met Dennis Lawson at Did Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I forced Mike to go over. He was at the autograph. Oh, he was at the, no, because he was at the autograph. At the no... autograph table, you have to you have to pay yeah, to go yeah, and get an yeah. autograph. But because it was empty, I was like, you don't have to ask for an autograph, but just go. And, and say hi. hi. Yeah. <laughs> and I just told him how much he meant to me as a character, as a person, as a character, and I loved and seeing him in Rise of Skywalker was one of the highlights of the movie. And he was, oh, thank you. That was really sweet to hear. I was like, yes, thank you, Dennis. And then just and was like, like, <laughs> did you just like fall into like a puddling mess? Yeah. And he was well, like, oh, I was right. only there for you. Yeah, and then I was minutes. like, he's not wrong. He doesn't stop going on about Wedge Antilles. Sorry, Ria. That's so much, you know, it's all these little things. It's the mother daughter relationship. This is basically, this should be like a parenting course. Mm. Like, it, you know, and they cram so much into such a short animation. It's solid storytelling. Whereas the, the one beforehand, you know, in the stars is trying to tell this big grand story, which I think is really great and really admirable. They have a, you know, the, the storytelling of what happened to their mother is quite clunky. doesn't make it bad. Um, you know, I feel like out of the ones we've talked about, like sort of that's the one we've sort of like sort of put down a bit. That one's still excellent, but mm-hmm. it's it's got so much exposition it's trying to put in it. I Am Your Mother doesn't need to do that because its characters are, you know, are who they are. And you you learn that straight away about them. We learn that about her mum. I'm so sorry, my blind is going down in the background. So if that's what you can hear, that's what that weird noise is. And it's really You shouldn't have said anything. I, was, I just thought, what's that in the background? <laughs> You've got some magic blinds. Magic yeah, blinds. that's magic. Um, you know, the, we know exactly what kind of mother that she is, that her daughter comes home and her mum's still tinkering around fixing stuff. She's covered in grease. No, her, her daughter wakes up and, you know, she's done her lunch, but it's not perfect. And we get the the grey bread stuff that Ray has from The Force Awakens. We've got a nice nod there, you know, and, it, and she's done like what's basically like a lovely bento box, but she she ruins it by like not by showing it off to her. So we know who she is already. And we know exactly from the short exposition about the racing competition, how the daughter feels about her mother. And that's just, just classy storytelling. And that's why it all works. Not only is the, the animation joyful and expressive and fun, but there's also really excellent storytelling underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and it's it's one of those. I've got a few things mentioned here. Um, one fun thing that none of us have mentioned actually. I'm surprised that you're not mentioning it. Is the R series astromech dog? Yeah. Says so the dog made from like the weird R2D because R2 is R2 is probably Megan's probably your favorite 
character in Star Wars. He's the OG. Yeah, he's your, he's your OG favourite. And also, your you little love dogs. face then, Megan. <laughs> I love a doggy. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> love dogs and love R2. You've got an R2D2 dog, which is quite cute. And then. Um, and he saves them. Yeah. And obviously, you've got the, the, the baddies in air quotes, the, the bratty kid and the horrible mum. Their little laser is a little Death Star shooting things mm, out. That yeah. made me laugh. And then also, there's a bit of a more of a deep cut, but um, one of the ships that flies is the same model as the Stinger Mantis from Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor. And that Ooh. ship is not common in star wars so i was like oh i was like the leonardo dicaprio meme but more, so, uh, more so for the grand day out robot for that i was just i want to just watch the episode again to see so if i can excited. find wallace and gromit in the background because surely they've got to be there somewhere or like his slippers or something i don't know but that that just made it for me and obviously you both made noises when i mentioned about the, the wookie claymation he was just so cool just i love so that they're cool. like <laughs> first of all shitty little little Kitty creatures like laughing at him, having his little dummy and his little toy. And yeah, he showed them, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Rip the fucking arms off this. <laughs> yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> and, the, and the use of the. You should never piss off a Wookiee. Well, it's the clever thing as well where he said, where it's something along the lines of, what the? And then the, the Wookiee makes. The, yeah, yeah. So I love but that. But it's also bit. perfect. It's like, it's the exact sort of thing a four year old does. Something they love, they'll break it on purpose because they're angry. Like I was like, even a Wookiee is just like a normal human child. Yeah, except they live to 400 and they're very hairy. <laughs> uh, but if we're done, and I, I want to clarify with I'm Your Mother, it's the second lowest rated of the season, Ooh. according to IMDb. Second lowest with 6.7. Really? What's the lowest? Um, well, the lowest is The Pit with hmm. 6.4. So 6.4 is the lowest. The highest, but all of these are actually, only one of them is above eight. Only one of them. And really? it's not even above eight. It's the next one is eight. So as a series, I th- I think this one is actually... Yeah, so the series one was very up and down. But series, vol- series volume one, whatever, only the Jewel and the Ninth Jedi are over eight out of ten. Sorry if you can hear uh, Willow drinking in the background. Damn you, dog, being hydrated. But we've got um, all but, these background noises going on, professional podcasters crazy. over here. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Duel and the Ninth Jedi, which are the two probably best ones, they're both 8.4 out of 10. But all the other ones are under 8. But then the, you've got like Tatooine Rhapsody was 5.3, the Twins was 6.2, and Toby was 6. Whereas the other ones are like 7-ish. Whereas pretty much all of Volume 2 is between... Yeah, apart from That's the pit... It's a better average... Yeah, if you ignore the pit, they're all between 6.7 and 8. So it is a, a more consistent one. But that's what I said. It's kind of like less Ooh. up and down. Uh, but yeah, the fact that this is the lowest rated is a bit upsetting. Second um, lowest rated. Do you know, do you know what as well? Because the next one we're talking we're about to talk about and the pit are my least favourites. See, uh, the next one is not my least favourite. We When we rewatched it, I enjoyed it more. But mm. this falls very much into the anime tropes. Mm-hmm. And this felt a lot like Volume 1 of Visions. And Megan yeah. is not a big fan of anime in general. And I, I like anime. I've seen a you know, Full Metal Alchemist mm. Brotherhood, Dragon Ball, and a few movies. If it things. wasn't for Mike, I wouldn't be watching mm. the Visions series. No. It's not really my cup of tea. When you don't like anime and you don't like stop motion, that does take quite a <laughs> lot of <laughs> the appeal of Visions out. Um, but yeah, so we'll move on to the next one then, which is the highest rated of all of them. This has got really? Eight. Yeah, this is, this is according to IMDb. Oh my God. Eight what out of ten. What is wrong with I wasn't fussed by this one. Uh, so according to IMDb, this is better than every episode of Visions apart from the Ninth Jedi and the Jewel. So apparently this is better than the Village Bride as well, which I completely disagree I mean, with. love what you love, but choices. Yes. Did a, did a, lot, of, did a lot of men 
I have right. no idea. Um, I've, I've just, I, I'm, I'm on, uh, to be fair, also on IMDb, Visions has not got that many ratings at all. Like this episode of Visions has only got 895 people. I reckon, it, I reckon it was all men who like, mm, anime is such a special art form who voted for this. I, I do feel like in a year's time... I say this time, as someone who enjoys anime, by the way, but yeah, there's a very specific group of people who like anime and they're wankers. Yeah, that is true. Like, <laughs> and there's a group of people who like Star Wars fans who are also wankers. So, I know. mean, I mean, Star Wars. Is the Star Wars fans have probably the worst fans. Yeah, we are all the worst. Yeah, unless you get a Star Wars celebration, then you get a collection of all the best. Yeah, so that's why. So I nice. would say I'm a good Star Wars fan, but they're a very bad Star Wars fan. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, but uh, like for IMDb for a show that's made by Disney, that Star Wars to only have not even have 900 ratings. Yeah, really goes to show that like not as many people watch this at all. Um, and if I just check one of the older episodes from Volume 1, just for a comparison of how many people reviewed it, it's about 5,700, which, oh, wow. which really isn't that many comparatively. So I think I think in it, I think think it, no one's prioritising Visions. I think that's I felt like the launch of Season 2 of Visions was a real damp script. Like, I feel like there wasn't any fanfare. And I say no. this as, one, as someone who spends a lot of time on Disney+, Plus because I have a child who watches things on Disney+. Plus. And I watch things on Disney Plus. Hello, the Americans. Um, which I'm finally trying to finish after like 10 years. Um, like, And I felt like there was just nothing about it at all. And it's not being pushed. And it's not, you know. And I, I refuse to say anything Star Wars is niche because it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's like the biggest IP in the world. But it feels weird and niche. And they kind of know that. And they're not doing anything about it. Yeah, yeah, aside from the fact that it was dropped on May the fourth, yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't really that much said. Obviously, they mentioned it at celebration. Star Wars celebration, but I think there was way more hype for the first series than there was for the second. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people because it's it's not only Star Wars. It's not as you say. It's not really a niche, but it is technically a niche because not everyone likes Star Wars. And a lot of people get in Star Wars fatigue. Loads of my friends who were watching the movies gave up around the Last Jedi. Very um, much Star Wars fatigue over here. Yeah, well, here's the solution to Star Wars fatigue, friends. Um, you don't count for this, Rick, because I think you've already seen it. A, Star Wars Rebels. B, High Republic content, friends. <laughs> you like Legends books. You like stuff that's not connected to the Skywalker saga. You want individual <laughs> stories that aren't about the Sith, that are great ideas and have loads of philosophy about the Force and loads of interesting characters that tackle Megan. people at the top and at the bottom. High Republic. Even Megan's read a High Republic book. Even Megan has. She looks thrilled about it. <laughs> it was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and then I read the the subsequent two children's books so that I knew what happened before we went nice. to Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, because I, I was like, it's going to get spoiled for you. I was and like, I was I'm like, not going to be able to read two more I, I said to you, no, I was like, your favourite character, they're going to non-stop talk about it. And then when yeah, we get Biryani. there, Biryaka. <laughs> she calls it Biryani as a joke. Um, but... We'll talk about... So this is Journey... We're talking to, about everything apart from Journey to Darkhead. Exactly. So Journey yeah. to the Darkhead by Studio Mir. Mir? M-I-R? Mir, I assume? Mm. Same Mir, yeah. So the whole idea of this... So you get a flashback, you get this young Jedi whose uh, master gets killed by, assumedly, a Sith. Um, and at the same time, you've got this uh, girl who checks these mystical rocks under a waterfall, sees a vague vision of something, time jump... And then they go on a quest to try and stop the Jedi and Sith Wars by destroying the dark side statue. Um, that's, there's a dark side statue and a light side statue, allegedly. Uh, and she goes on this quest, wants to destroy it. And so the Jedi Council say, cool, you take this kid with you who's a bit troubled. Go off and do it. And then along the way, the Sith that killed his master comes back. They have a few fights here and there. Uh, and then they get to the statue. Now, 
I feel like this one was very much like Twins in the first volume, which it was very flashy. It looked, for an anime, very good. But it's not what I necessarily want. I don't... If you've only got 15 minutes or so, I don't necessarily want something that looks really, really flashy if there's not something to it. With the Jewel and the Sith, because they look so unique and unlike anything I've ever seen before, that works. But with this one, I was like, this is basically generic-looking anime that looks the same as the Twins. The lightsaber combat's cool, but unfortunately, the tears of what lightsaber combat is, live action looks amazing because it's people actually doing it. You get the Clone Wars style, which they do actually use stop motion and things, and you can do a lot of cool things with that. Once you go down to 2D drawings of lightsaber fights, although some of them can be very, very cool, there's only a limited amount, really, of what can be seen and what can be done, unless you're very, very clever with it. And this just felt like there was nothing new in this, um in this i would say this is probably my least favorite one there's nothing really new in this it felt just like season one of visions and then the thing at the end i did really like i like the end message but i feel like that same message is told in pretty in most of these other stories arguably better it's like the common thread isn't it for all of it is that you can't have light without the dark yeah so it's the um it's the whole thing of where they try and destroy the dark side uh statue and then the dark side energy that's shown as red seeps into the light side one and goes back and it shows that you have to have both for balance and i like that i thought that i do was cool but i found that the rest of it just it felt a bit flat it was just Mm -hmm. like the vision the problem is when you have a 15 minute episode you know for empirical fact every single thing in it is like is occam smoking gun no, I'm thinking of Occam's Razor. Yeah, I was smoking say, gun. You've, you've I've mixed, mixed two, two things there. Up. Yeah, the, the what's going to drive me nuts now? Yeah, I keep thinking it's Reznor or Trent, but it's not because that's Trent Reznor's the Nine Inch Nails guy. <laughs> but Jack's going to kill me because I got it wrong last time when I spoke with Jack. Um, oh, I just said Occam's Razor again, but this, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. So there's a thing in film which is Chekhov's smoking gun. That's it. That's it. Chekhov's smoking gun. It's from an older film where it, the whole idea of Chekhov's smoking gun is basically if you see something in a film that maybe doesn't seem like it needs to be there, it's probably because it has a major point of the plot later on. You know, when you hear like a lullaby three times in the first half hour of a movie, the lullaby is going to have some sort of impact in the end. And the problem is when you have a 15 minute short, every single thing you see is Chekhov's smoking gun. So when you see her look at the vision thing, and then at the end she's surprised, it's like, but you're, there's three characters in this whole thing. Of, mm-hmm. of, of course this is going to happen. And it felt like this was almost a movie, and they just cut loads of bits out of a movie and had the main points together. And it's like, but an abridged movie is not the same as a short. And that was my kind of issue with it. I know that you're not a big fan of anime, so I feel like... like did you not like it because it just didn't tick any boxes at I just, all? I just wasn't fussed by it. I just thought it was a bit faffy, really. I thought the dialogue was very weak as well. It was yeah. very anime This dialogue. is my issue with a lot of animes that I've seen, is that the dialogue is... I, <laughs> I don't like weird things that much. So for me, anime falls... A lot of anime falls into the realm of just being over the top and weird like i've i again i've said it before it's like breath of the wild as much as i like breath of the wild i really enjoy that game but the when you're talking to characters and you're having to read and then suddenly people are like hey, it's like why 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 i don't understand because I mean, where I it doesn't even talk right <laughs> where it doesn't read it out loud it just confuses my brain because what they're doing doesn't match up with the dialogue that's on the thing 
And I find that a lot of animes do that, and I'm not a massive fan of it. It's over-exaggerated. I don't, yeah. And a lot of anime, unfortunately... (laughs) Ria looks like she's going to stab me. And I will say, a lot of anime (laughs) does do the trap, which this episode does as well, which is something happens on screen, and you watch it happen, and then a character says exactly what's happening. And it's like, this isn't audio descriptive. I don't need you to say word for word what I saw on the screen literally two seconds ago. Um, But Ria, what were your thoughts on Journey to the Dark Head? I mean, we'll talk about uh, Breath of the Wild later. No, I love Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Don't get me yeah. wrong, I'm not dissing it. I like it. Yeah, you, it sounded like it is. No, she properly got into <laughs> no, it. No, I really, really, really like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Your favourite thing was just hunting and cooking. No, my yeah, favourite thing was jumping on a horse and then running animals over. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then getting their meat so I didn't have to waste my arrows. <laughs> this is what's so good about Breath of the Wild, right? You can go and play five hours of Breath of the Wild and not do anything that's to do with the story. Yeah. You can perfect cooking recipes and still not do anything else in the story and you can make the best recipes i'd love that game we're not talking about that i've got friday off to play tears of the kingdom it's very exciting it better come early anyway (laughs) let's talk about generic boring flat anime which i don't really have much else to add mike because i think you've summed it up perfectly what really was impactful for me and what you're talking about is how it feels like it's a feature length film that's been just had bits chopped out of it because the character ups are ridiculous. Like <laughs> what? Like this is poor storytelling. And I don't want to slag this off because I, you know, I do think there's something there and there's something interesting there, but it just doesn't work. And like in those 15 minutes, that's the character arc. Like it's, it's kind of you've gone from boom, boom, there's nothing in between. That's not a character arc. It doesn't work. And I was just like, I was just bored watching it. And I was really disappointed. And I think it is because I'd had such high hopes because the others beforehand have been so good. And then this came along and I was like, oh, it's just Vision Season 1 and I'm not here for that. Again, <laughs> as somebody who likes Vision Season 1, it's really enjoyable talking about something that hasn't hit the spot for you, but it's still not bad. Yeah. Like, exactly. That's how like, I feel about all Star Wars, to be fair. That's why yeah. you're like, you're a Star Wars apologist. Like, no, no, I just enjoy it all. The Clone Wars movie is pretty hard to I loved that conversation. I never properly got back to you about it. I was like, so interested in. Yeah, 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 when I said to you, you know, are there things you don't like about Star Wars? And you were so honest about the things that you don't like. And there was a lot. And I really enjoyed I that. I realized yeah. that I was stuck. Anyway, I was messaging for like 40 Anakin's minutes. Anakin's was- scene. <laughs> you hate that more than I do. I'm not as fussed <laughs> about that. But like-, like, my kid is named after my favorite Star Wars character. It's not Leia. Um, you know, and and like, so I obviously love Star Wars. I met my other half because of Star Wars. But like, there are things I do not like Star Wars. And that's okay. And this falls into that category. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say, like, like there's a lot. I'm not going to go into them here because it's not the podcast for it. But there are a lot of things I don't like about Star Wars, and it's Rhea, me and Ria. We're in the um, comics and motion Discord, um, and we were talking. Like, Ria did ask me, she was like, well, "The things you don't like," and I, I listed a lot of different things um, in there that I, I, there's just a very either elements or content itself. There's stuff I don't like about Star Wars, but I like to focus on the positive. Speaking of. Let's just move on because I slated this a lot. But we'll get your thoughts on this, Rio, because myself and Megan, mainly me, have started quite a lot of these ones and left you with the dregs of what you can say about it. So <laughs> The Spy Dancer by Studio Leg. I think Kate? that's... It's I, French, think it's, I think Well, it? I think it's meant to have an extra T, so I would assume that it's Lacachette. Okay, Studio Lacachette. Um, the Spy Dancer. What did you think of this? Great. I absolutely love this. I was blown away by it. I did not know what to expect when it started. And so... Basically, it's kind of uh, 
gosh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like so some stormtroopers go into what is basically like a club where there's going to be a dancer, but they are spies. Um, and the main dancer, she uh, like puts trackers on them and so they can track them and figure out what, what the Empire's doing and stuff like that. And I thought it was such an interesting way to talk about what you would like. So one of the things I like to think about, and I think I've talked about this in another podcast, is if, you know, you were in Nazi Germany. Oh, we spoke about um, this in Mouse, I think, actually. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm about to reference. Like, you, you know, you always think you're going to be the person who's fighting back against the Nazis. But in reality, you're not. You have fallen into two other camps. It's just kind of like you just go along with it um, or you just get your head down and pretend to not exist. Like, so which one are you going to be? And I love that this is talking about what you're doing when you're resisting and small resistance using what you have to resist. And I loved that. And I know that's a lot of what Andor's about. We were talking about that earlier because I was talking about this. Don't tell me off, Mike. We will watch it, okay, at some point. Um, you know, what it is, <laughs> what it is you can do, but also about, you know, finding your own power and using your own power. And so I loved all of that in the story. The bit that I didn't like, and I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna know what. And you may have liked this is the connection that it's her son, that like this big commander comes in and is watching and she had her son stolen from her you know, like 20 years ago or whatever. And it he just happens to be there in the club and there's like this reckoning between them. I didn't like that bit because I thought the rest of it was so strong and it didn't need it. I thought just what they were doing was so interesting and important. And then adding the animation style on it of the dancing. And I love when she comes out and she first starts dancing, you don't see the strips that she's dancing and bouncing on. You don't see how her dancing and flying works. It feels really magical. And then when things... You, you start to then get from her point of view and you see that she's dancing on these like gossamer strips of material and that's how she's floating and and doing all of these beautiful moves. So I love that as well. Like it was such an interesting way to show it of giving us a little peek behind the magic that we feel on their side. We're not on the side. We're seeing it from them. We're not seeing it from the side of the empire. And I thought that's wonderful visual storytelling. So this was a really, really strong episode for me. What do you think about this one? It was one that we um, just rewatched, wasn't it? Yeah, I agree with Rhea. I didn't really like the father, um, not father, the mother son stuff. It just felt a bit cliched and troopy. Mm. And I was, it, it's also kind of like, yeah, okay, he might. <laughs> My thing is right. Obviously, yes, it is absolutely horrendous that the Empire has taken her child away from her. It happened 20 years ago. That, that grief's not going to go. That's not what I'm complaining about. But just because some rat, like obviously he's got the emblem and he's got the same walking stick. So what I'm about to say kind of just gets negated. Yeah, but she doesn't see the little horns in his head. She does. Not when he's wearing a fucking hat, Mike. She lifts it up and sees yes, it. Yes, but if you let me say my point. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My point is, is she was like, oh, he would have been about your age. And it's like, okay, so, so are hundreds of thousands of people are going to be about his age. Like... The fact that you're able to kind of just assume that that person's your son, I think is very, like, far-stretched. Um, but yes, then 
she takes his hat off and sees that he's got the little horn. So obviously she does recognize that that is the person, it's her son. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. It's just, I know that there is like the saying, isn't it, is a small world, but I'm like, come on. I mean, there's a lot of worlds in the <laughs> yeah, taxi. Yeah, but also exactly. it takes away from the found family aspect of it that I really like. There's that beautiful moment before the performance when she gets everybody round and they all stand there together. And I found that so powerful. Mm. And I was like, that isn't that amazing that in all the horror that these people are seeing or what they're trying to battle against, they've got each other. And then it's like, oh, it's just her son. <laughs> and then at the end, she's like, oh, but now he's got a way to me and I've yeah. got a way to him. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know because he literally just tried to kill you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you haven't found each other. I, th- I, I think guess he's going to find some... that tracker eventually as well. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. the smallest trackers on earth, were they? Like, no. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I-, I liked the sun bit when I first saw it. Um, I-, I liked the emotional connection of things and i think you know mother losing their child is probably one the worst things can ever happen to you uh you know losing your child and knowing what happened to him is its own genre of terrible but a separate genre of terrible is having them taken from you and someone else having them you know that's an awful thing i will put my apologist hat on and say what i would argue is if she'd have seen that child at any time she would have known it was the son because of the mark in the missing um horn parts and obviously he had the cane of his air quotes dad and so i feel like it's less so what are the chances and more so if his dad is operating in the area it's more so like he's never been there in 20 years to a club he knows his dad has been to it's a popular club among imperials that's how it starts that that's that's what's shown in the first few minutes of it is it's basically an imperial club so in this sector well, it's like a burlesque club isn't it essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. burlesque or cabaret that sort of thing and it's like you know the visuals are great i really like the way it's drawn but i would almost go just like it's almost like how has it taken 20 years for him to visit this club that his dad went or his dad air quotes went to a lot that a lot of imperials go to in the same sector that he was clearly raised in and it probably means they i feel like this element could have been added more something like uh, maybe a flashback where he was trying to go to this club and the dad said, no, you're never allowed there. It's awful there. And then the dad dies and he goes, okay, dad's not stopping me anymore. I'll go check out this club I've heard so much about. That being an entrance of how he kind of got there, I feel like would have worked, but they they didn't do that because they wanted to pull the wool off your eyes. But I feel like they could have gone that route or they could have done the opposite. And she thinks it's her son, but it's not specifically. She goes through all that stuff. Then she lifts up the hat and can't find any sort of markings and things. And it turns out it's not her son, but she's managed to maybe change the mind of this random Imperial just from a small act of kindness. And then it ends with her still thinking maybe my son's still out there. But I think him not being her son and thinking and changing back just from that act of kindness would have actually been a stronger message. Because the son thing is, to me, it's not dissimilar. It's a bit of a cop-out. But you what know? act of kindness was there? Well, she hugged. She wouldn't fight him. She wouldn't hurt him. She kept hugging him and saying oh, that he what mattered. What an act of kindness! Thank you for not killing me. No, I know, but like in in the empire, there's none of that. In the empire, there's no mercy. In the empire, it's all killing. No mercy. No hugs. No love. No affection. Nothing. And so, a small from someone who's basically been, not had any of that their entire life, and then suddenly getting that, it could be overwhelming. You don't know if he's not had love. Well, his dad was a dick, and he didn't have. Just because a- his dad was a dick doesn't mean his dad was a dick to him. Okay, I, I think the insinuation is the hug that she gave him. He was so taken aback by it, he didn't know how well, to, to react. to be fair, I'd probably be taken aback if a stranger tried to hug me. <laughs> 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 True. 
but you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think it was the best. But I, I I feel like it could have been better. Definitely aspects mm. of this, but I liked. For me, I quite liked the. Um, it felt French, in a mm. good way. Mm. It felt like it got some of. Well, no, but I mean, like as in, unfortunately, in a lot of animation or non-animation like in atlantis french representation tends to be quite negative or very stereotypical and this felt like it had the culture of france and a feel because this felt like to me it could have been like the the star wars moulin rouge that's Mm kind of how i felt about it so i was like and they all had the accents and things and all the names and stuff and i was like this feels french without it being unnecessary stereotypical and everyone eating space baguettes and that sort of stuff. And I, I quite liked that element of things. Um, and then one thing I noticed is fun seeing like a little protocol droid that looked like the C-3PO being like a jewelry mannequin. Uh, and then obviously the main like enforcer droid was a KX series security droid like K2SO from Rogue One. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about Spy Dancer? No. no. Let's move on to the next one. Um, this is probably my least favourite. Um, probably. Is this the furry one? No, the furry one's the last one. Right. Um, this is, it's called The Bandits of Golak and it's by 88 Pictures. And... Oh, this is the one with the flute. Yes. Right. I thought yeah. the last I'm super minutes, annoying kid. Yeah. The kid was unbearable and I didn't yeah. like the animation. The animation to me, this felt like a cinematic cutscene in a video game, but one that, you know, they when they announce, new, normally Assassin's Creed, they announce a new game and then they release a cinematic that has nothing to do with the story, that is not the gameplay, it's not even the engine, it's just a very fancy looking 3D model of a character that happens to be, like they do it with World of Warcraft all the time in all MMORPGs where it's like, Diablo 4, here's the devil shooting fire at it, and then you play the game and it's like, this is not even close. And that's how it felt to me, it felt like just a video game cinematic. And so I I wasn't really jiving in the animation style. I liked the culture of it, and I quite enjoyed the ending. But I, for me, the first 10, 12 minutes of this was really boring to me. And yeah. I had no interest in what was going on because I just I was like, this is just so plain. Oh, it's a brother and a sister, and the sister's clearly Force-sensitive, so he's going to take her to... He's going to take her to someone who's probably going to take her, or she's going to have this Force awakening and beat a baddie. And I was kind of half right. And I was like, it just, it didn't land for me. What about you, Megan? I don't really remember it. Yeah. So that, that probably says... And I didn't bother I remember the flute. I remember her giving the flute to her brother at the end after she gets taken away by the Jedi. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't really recall anything about this one. I mean, the grandma was a badass. Um, the Rugal, I think her name was. Whereas this old... I, I love... It's such a trope. It's such a trope. But I love it when you have a really slow old person who looks like yeah. they can barely walk. And then <laughs> shit hits the fan and they go, badass mode! And they just kick some youngling's ass. I, I love that. Any time that trope comes up, I'm like, yep, all for it. But that alone doesn't save this for me. What, what do yeah. you think of this, Ria? I'm with you on that trope. It's awesome. And like most of the time, you know it's coming. You're still yes. like, ah, I still love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's such a shame. I think the the world building and the art of this is beautiful. Like, you know, the backgrounds, the locations, the aesthetics. The colours. The colours are so well done and they feel real. And then the characters don't. They feel like cardboard cutouts. They feel like tropes. And I was just like, this just isn't anything new. And it's such a shame because, you know, I think this is one of the ones where it comes through how we need more diverse storytelling in the Star Wars universe and how important that is. And it 
doesn't do anything with it. Yeah. And it's really generic. And I find that really disappointing. And I just thought the little sister was just so irritating. I was like, I don't know what age she's supposed to be, but my four-year-old would know better than to do this. Like if I'm telling her to be quiet and, you know, things aren't safe and there's danger, she would be behaving better than this kid. And so I just really didn't like it. I, you know, I thought I felt it helped, it took away from the world, from the danger that they're trying to escape. You know, and I know that I know that they were trying to do something about joy of childhood and how she hasn't lost that despite all the horrors they've clearly seen and all of that sort of stuff. And that's really nice. But the storytelling wasn't good enough for that. Mm. And the voice acting wasn't good enough for that either. And, I agree. Yeah. And I, and so so it was just a disappointment. Just it was just such a disappointment for me. I I was quite excited when it first started, and then about two minutes in, I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm done." <laughs> That's kind of the good thing and about visions. Yeah, it's not so that great. By the it's end. over pretty quick. Yeah, um, and I agree with you. I would love to see, I would love to see a Star Wars movie uh, directed by someone either from Asia that's not sort of Japan. Mainly, like my my thinking is sort of India or around that region because I just think, like, think of Ms. Marvel. If you had the aesthetic and the culture and a lot of the symbolism and the color, if you integrated that, because Star Wars is inherently, the, the content itself is very English and very American with clear uh, Eastern influence with the samurai and those kind of things. So it all kind of mixes together quite well. And I'm just thinking, why is there not more of this in Star Wars? Why do we not have like um, an Indian Jedi who is like a main character and their lightsaber could like, use some of the elements of that culture you know like i felt with ms marvel when i watched that show although it's not my favorite mcu show it made me so much more intrigued by pakistan and india and the partition and everything that the british colonists did over there while also they they incorporate like modern music with some of the more traditional music the garbs they wore the the best friend character whose name escapes me um who's the leader of the that becomes the first female yeah. president like, of the. She talks mosque. as a moment where she talks about the hijab and things, and saying how you know she didn't want people who, forcing her to wear it to hide Nakia. herself. Akia, that was it. Didn't want people forcing her to wear it, or didn't want basically white people telling her she can't wear it. She wants to just be able to do what she wants, and that bit of dialogue for me hit so strongly. And I, I want that element of stuff to be put into Star Wars. I want the beauty of Eastern influence into Star Wars so much more into the aesthetic of it. Because I'm thinking if you could have dirty sci-fi with some Eastern influence, it would be phenomenal. And I'm sure there are films and stuff out there, but this for me really felt like it could have been the best, but it just wasn't. This felt quite corporate, I'd Mm. actually say. Mm. It didn't feel like an individual made it. You know, Ardman feels like a family made it. You know what I mean? Sith feels like, a couple of people made like a, a very singular vision around it no pun intended you know screech's reach is very much like a small community kind of made it this just felt like a group of people probably in india who are like corporate heads like we need to make a star wars thing and this is what came out apologies if they're listening and i've just shat on people's creative endeavors they've been working on this, the thing is again it's the same thing we're talking about it negatively but it's really not that negative it's in a season of incredibly strong animation and you know we've talked about things that we enjoy about it and that is one of the things about talking about these and like rating them against each other that none of them are really that bad and we watch bad storytelling all the time like and I wouldn't necessarily go and say this is one of the worst things I've ever watched but in 
this group of nine episodes, it's not hitting the mark. No, I agree. And so we'll move on to the penultimate one, The Pit, um, by... I'm trying to pronounce this one was the hardest one. So it was Lucasfilm along with Daart Shitagio, I think. Now, this was, you said this was your, is it your least favorite one? It's one of my least favorite ones. So why don't you tell us about it, what you didn't like about it and your thoughts? It's a hard one. It's, it's the one that I was most torn about because, like the other ones that I didn't enjoy, it's not that I didn't even enjoy them, but I was just a bit like, oh, it's nothing new. I there's something in this one. So it's a group of prisoners are like forced to mine kyber crystals. Um, they I don't know what's laughing, but they built a big hole to get it. It's such a shit. Just leaves them there. So I'm not getting you out of the hole. Fuck off. I was like, I mean, that was dark. So this is what I mean. Like, there's some bits in it that are like really dark and interesting about how the empire abuses people and uses them for their own needs. And, you know, we get two stormtroopers here who are clearly like super bad dudes. They So a guy climbs out and goes to tell the people on the upper world, like it's very, um, what's the famous story? Why can't I remember it? Where uh, people live underground and people live above ground. It's like a super famous story. Tony Freena's listening to this right now and shouting at me. People live underground and then yeah. people live above ground. It's like super famous. It's been made in the only thing that I can, The only thing that I can think of is Futurama where you've got the mutants. <laughs> I think that's meant to be on the nose reference to it. I, I know what you're... I, I want to say 1984. It's not 1984 and it's not Logan's run, but it's, it's making me think of things like that kind of era. Um... You've looked up the City of Ember. No, I haven't looked up no, the, the City, City of, of Ember. Okay, the City of Ember's come up. I googled book about people living underground. But it's not about... Yeah, and then there's, and there's like the people li- that live above... Anyway, like it's famous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, friends. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like a film person. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Is it The like, Borrowers? Um, no. <laughs> That's the film about the really, really tiny... No, I know what The Borrowers is about, but it's about people living underground. Uh, and anyway let's just move on because this is like just really uh stressful um and and like so he climbs out and he starts telling like the the town people follow the light or something i don't know and um and then they come and they realize people are all in the pit and there's these two arsehole stormtroopers who first chuck him in and kill him and and the townspeople come and then there's this great moment where they retreat and you think, Oh my God, all these people are evil. And I was like, that would be so powerful if the episode just stopped then. And then it just gets to like, no, they rescue them all and they all see the light and it's all sort of like that. And stormtroopers just give up. And I was just like, ah, there's some really interesting things here but again i just don't think it fully hits the mark it just feels like a really wasted opportunity and i just feel like that's a real shame again in these stories that they're trying to tell in in visions mm. i think the first half of this the social commentary was so powerful when the kid gets mm. thrown back in the pit i was like oh, yeah, that's oh i was like God. so dark and i, I was can't like, believe they is... just did it yeah and i'll say like... is the book that you're thinking of called the time machine Yes! Oh. <laughs> H.G. Wells. Like H.G. Wells. Yeah. H.G. Thank Wells, you. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of those things where, like, the social commentary is very clear on this. It's very clearly, I think, the Black Lives Matter movement, and that was yeah. a very huge influence on this. 
And when it was happening, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. It's a story of revolution. And it's very clear, you know, uh, it seemed to be darker skinned people were down in the pit because they're, you know, out working in the sun for however long. And then you've got all the lighter skinned people in this big metropolis thing. And they don't... Beautiful. Like, they're very, like, um, Hunger Games. I was about to say Hunger uh, Games, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all like, you know, they don't want to know. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to know how their city was built. They just want to live in it and, you know. It's and built on rock and roll, Mike. Nice, nice. Um, literal rocks and rolling. Um, so <laughs> I, I liked the first half, but, yeah, I feel like the second half became, like, an after-school special. Mm-hmm. But it was too easy. Yeah. Like, mm. obvi- like, obviously, he went in, he managed to get their attention, he then got dragged back and he died. Like, that, w- that was awful. But when they followed the, s- the... They were like, you need to follow the light. And then they all just started saying... What was it? Fo- were they literally saying, follow the I light? I think they were yelling out, follow, follow the, the light. Follow the light. And then yeah, there's some the light. like... Yeah, yeah. And then they all, they obviously came out with torches, which was them being followed by the light and whatnot. But my thing was like, how convenient that this pit is big enough that ships can go in it. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, how are they going to get out? Like, are they going to just throw down a massive ladder? And then I was like, no, oh, no, conveniently, yeah, it's big enough for a, a massive fucking ship to get inside of the pit. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, that's, that's too easy. And I just sort of refused to believe the Empire and Stormtroopers would just be like, meh. And most of the people living in that city. Like, yeah, because the they just barge people, past them, don't they? The people in that city don't know. Like, I don't like that. I don't, you know, I think it it means it, it excuses them. It means they're not complicit in their richness and their wealth and their good lives and their light and their, you know, their happiness. And I don't like that. I feel like it excuses people's behaviour. And I think that doesn't sit super comfortably with me mm. yeah it's kind of like oh you know to, to put it kind of brashly oh forgive the white people they didn't know any better mm-hmm. and it's like yeah if you well, it's ignorance is bliss isn't it but if yeah. you're close enough to a hole that you can hear people calling out yeah. you're close enough to know there's <laughs> a hole there like surely when you saw oh look mummy if i look over there i can see this gigantic pit with loads of stormtroopers around it and loads of digging materials and they keep pulling convoys of stuff into the city what no one has ever said, you know. What could have happened is they could have had yeah, like... Yeah, where a, are those big trucks going? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't they have had like... What they should have done is like an underground network sort of thing in the city. The boy finds them and they're like, we've known about this for ages. We've got things in place. We just need someone to, to light that spark to help us. And do, something like that, not just... Yeah, like a person of colour basically came in, yelled a lot. And then you heard some chanting about a mile away. And that changed the entire system. Like, it's also that oh, the, the soldiers give up. Why didn't the townspeople should have, you know, done the standard thing they do with oppressors, throw the oppressors down the pit? Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, how do they, at what point do you start digging in a hole that you can't climb out of and no one at all thinks? Is there no because they've got tents and shit down there. Yeah. They didn't even dig handholds. I was thinking, like, surely if I started digging in a pit... Yeah, no, a little animal creates some, doesn't he? Which I like that moment. I thought mm. it was cute. Yeah, in my like head, I was like, oh, it's like going bouldering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought of just Dark Knight Rises when Christian Bale climbs out that pit after 
getting his back broken and then just yeah, that's also fucking bullshit magically gets into gotham even though apparently he's completely locked down he has no money and stuff and it's, it's like, like oh, oh my bones are all brittle no but now i've got this magic thing i can hit a hole through a oh wall. yeah with the thing on his knee it's yeah. like oh i've got my back broken but i've had no medical care but now i can climb out of this massive pit yeah stupid yeah that film is great in a lot of ways <laughs> but not as great in other ways um, um i'm surprised that this one is the lowest rated i must admit i i mean i liked it for the most part up until like essentially the ex machina trope really mm. yeah I, I enjoyed this one. i think this is middle ground. As, as soon as they started singing or saying follow the light i was on board with this episode yeah up to that sort of point yeah then i think it went a little bit downhill for me which is fair which is fair um do you have anything else to say about this episode before we move on to the final one okay now this one this is one I'm, I'm excited about so this one um i don't think many people are going to like it as much i fucking loved it why would people not like it it was really beautiful well that's what i thought this one was the one that got me the most emotional i like I how furry they are the the felt they're, like they're made out of felt it's so adorable the stop motion in this is my favorite you know ardman you're amazing you know don't ever change um but the felt styling of this and the way all the characters looked was so amazing that that jedi with the purple uh, felt skin mm. was just incredible and from the second it started the colors were popping the characters i really liked and it felt very grounded and real while still having the nice fantasy element and the story was clear the the only gripe i have is that that made us read not one but like three pages of text at the start i like just have someone well that's re- like that's basically star wars no i know <laughs> that but it's a crawl but I, you know but the, the star wars Technically, the original Star Wars didn't have the crawl. George Lucas added it in afterwards. But Classic. Yeah, classic George Lucas tweaking things. You know, and the crawl, the thing is, I don't actually like the crawl of Star Wars very much, controversially. I think most of them are actually quite weak. Do you not like it when I read it? Especially The Rise of Skywalker. No, I like it when you read it. <laughs> Megan always reads it whenever you watch Star Wars. And I, I yell when things are capitalised. <laughs> I, I don't actually find, I, I feel like if you need three paragraphs of text at the start of a film, to explain where you are. Well, not even a film. Oh, well, I'm uh, sorry. That, that you don't... It's like with Eternals. Do you remember how much fucking text was Oh, my God. It's like a minute and a half. <laughs> like, that just film, that film was so shit. And you're like, if you need me to read for an hour and a half... So uh, if you need me to read for a minute and a half before I watch a nearly three-hour movie, <laughs> there's, you've done something wrong. But not anything really happens. No. It's, anyway. So with this, I found <laughs> the text at the start could have very easily been explained. What I would have liked is maybe the, the father figure reading like a book. Or reading to um, the the child is called like Aou, A-A-U. And like if it had been reading and saying that to someone around like a campfire or something or like a cave painting thing like in the um, in the Stars episode or something. But instead it was just text with like no music and nothing. It was just text coming on screen. I was like, when that started, I was like, I'm not going to like this one. And then when it started going, I was like, it might be my favorite. I, ju- I think the start it really pissed me off because you can just say it out loud but it's Owl's song by Triggerfish it's a bit it's a bit like Frozen in the sense that she's got a power that she's told not to use and then yeah. she's never been able to control that power which is why everything nearly goes kaboom yeah well I've got a few theories behind the message of this but I want to ask what did you think of this one did you quite like this one or were you not as fun because obviously it's stop motion but it's not normal. It's, it's, it's like, not normal stop. I seem to be okay with stop motion that's like made out of like 
But it's cartoony almost. Cartoon. Yeah, like... like you didn't like Coraline, do you? Because that looks too real. Coraline. I love Coraline. <laughs> what? It's too freaky for us. It's too freaky. I don't like I it. It's too weird, it. isn't it? It's, it's one weird. of my favourite films, yeah. but... Coraline's amazing. <laughs> Coraline, Coraline was, one of the, was one of the potential names. Oh, really? Oh, that'd yeah. have been nice. But then it doesn't work with Arsene and Coraline Carrigan. <laughs> yeah, it can't have double C. Coraline... Um, one of my uni housemates was like banging on about it. He was like, oh, it's an amazing film. I love it so much. You should go watch it. So I bought it from HMV because it was reduced. And then my mum and I watched it and we were like, like, this is fucking terrifying. I was like, this it is, is horrendous. It's amazing. Um, love it. You know, yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. I liked how furry they were. It made me want to like reach out and touch them. Yeah, give pets. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that they're like rabbits as well. And rabbits are like my favourite animal. Um, Rhea, what did you think about this? Yeah, I loved it. Um, so, trigger fish, I have a have a like a, an affection for. So they've done sort of like Zog and all of those. Or do you know what Zog is? You know, no. children's book Zog. Zog rings a bell. I need I to love the dragon by um, it's the Julia Donaldson and Axel Shafir. But oh but yeah, but they did the animation for it. So they did. Zog, and I think they maybe well, I think they've done them all. So did the Highway Rat Snail in the Well. I don't know if they did. Oh, Stick Gruffalo. Man. Um, yeah. So like they're they're an amazing animation studio, and right. seeing them bring something. I mean, I for me, Zog is some of their best work. <laughs> it's a it's a children's short basically, and it's but it's fantastic. The way they bring it to life is just absolutely stunning. So I kind of. I didn't realise this was by Triggerfish. When it came up, I was like, oh, I recognise that name. Paused it and had a quick look. And I was like, oh, okay, now I've got high hopes. And it <laughs> delivered. Um, I think the the stop motion is just, I think it's like top tier stop motion. I think it's the best and stop motion just, I've probably ever seen. It's really beautiful. It is that fine line between, you know, it's stop motion and you don't. And I think I that's that. the kind of stop. Is it stock or stop? Stop. 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 With a P because it's you, you yeah. do it, take a photo, move, take a photo, move. Like in Parks and Rec. Yeah, when when Ben <laughs> makes that stop motion thing, there's like nice. a second long. Um, yeah. um, but the um, back, that is the- a great Parks and Rec shout out, and yeah, and, I, and I think it it has that really nice balance, and that works really well. And I think it works particularly well for this story and what they're trying to talk about, and that sense of magic. This this one feels I overuse. Apparently, according to my other half, I overuse the word magical, but this one feels very magical. I never use the word magical too many times. <laughs> and and it and I love that. And it it is it's both what you said, Megan, by how they look, you feel like you want to reach out and touch them. But I think emotionally, this doesn't make sense, but emotionally you want to reach out and touch them. Mm-hmm. And like you want to be in that in that world. It's very sensory, both in visually and the sound design, which is just phenomenal, the best one out of all of these, like which you would hope because it's about our song. Um, <laughs> so it'd be a bit shit if it wasn't. But I found it. I remember when I did the Last of Us podcast and we had um, Blake and Ellie on and she talked about, um, so there's a character, Sam, spoilers for Last of Us. Uh, I haven't seen off. it. Uh, well, one of the characters is blind, basically. Okay. And she talked about how they filmed it and she could feel a lot of what they were not blind, deaf, sorry. Oh God, this is terrible. Um, he's deaf. And she talked about how you could, everything felt really sensory and you could feel, it felt like you could feel that and touch and you'd be part of the scene. I felt that the entire way through this short. I felt in this world 
And, I, and for me, I did find that really magical. And I thought the story was just really sweet and simple, but well told. Like, you know, when we talk about some of the other ones, like um, John Journey to Darkhead, like the story is too complex for, for a 15 minute short. And this one doesn't do that. It, it knows exactly what it's here to do. And it tells that story. And there's no real big dramatic moments. It's that other thing I like. That it's these smaller moments that still has such a huge impact on these people's lives. And I love at the end, her dad is supportive of her going off. There's no sadness in it. And I was like, that what a joyful way to end this series of this dad who at the beginning of it was unsure about his daughter's powers and didn't trust them to now trust her. He trusts her to go off. I was like, what a lovely way to, to end this and just have, he's fully given his heart to her and trusts her to go off and live this life and embrace her powers and be who she is. So I just found it really uplifting and really delightful and really magical. I agree. And it's like there's three instances in Visions Volume 2 where a person leaves at the end. You know, you've got Screech's um, Reach, you've got um, the Bandits of Golak, and then you've got this one. And, you know, the Bandits is kind of bittersweet. You know, the Screech's Reach is like sad, and this is like just purely nice. And it's quite a nice, nice thing there. And I think that both this and the Ardman short, I Am Your Mother, both have the most simple stories, but they both did it the best mm. of on paper, I feel like if I'd have heard of all of these things, I probably and didn't know it animation studios or anything. I feel like I would have thought I'm your mother and our song were the weakest just from the sheer lack they of complexity. Don't try and overcomplicate it, yeah. and that's the beauty of it. And you know, often the best stories are simple ones, just done in a very magical way. It's like Wolfwalkers, as we said. And I love, as you say, it's very sensory. The environments of this are incredible. Like the stop motion, it looks beautiful. But like when it zooms out, there's that bit where she walks out before she does the song at the end and turns all the kyber. The thing they walk out on just looks amazing. It yeah. just looks so cool. And it looks real. Because you, I think it was that one where you, it was either that one or um, in the stars. And you said, have they filmed this on a real like cliff edge there was a, i can't remember which one it was i can't remember either but one that that's, you they're the kind of things that i really like it's like when i look at moana and i look at the water and i'm like how is that not water i don't i don't understand my brain doesn't compute how that isn't real <laughs> yeah but, and yeah. so this one i i love this one um when it started i was a bit because of the potato crawl and because it looks very cutesy i was like ah, this is gonna be not the best but i i just want a owl I, as in i want a little mm. figurine that's made of felt and i'm sure probably someone on Etsy that sells it for 400 pounds but like <laughs> I, I just wanted one of those it's it just as you say it's very sensory I want to touch it but I, I want to call and this is the, probably the final thing I'll say about this uh, episode is I had two interpretations of what the in the part where she starts singing in the Kyber cave and then everything starts to shake and it looks like it's you can't tell where it's going and then the dad interrupts and it goes bad and then he grabs her and pulls her out and then she has a chance by herself to sing fully and it's good and i had two interpretations of this one and one of them was that it was over parenting and it was that the dad was not letting her be herself and that he's the reason that her song started to collapse the cave when, he, when she was there not her if he'd have let her do that and let her do a full thing so it's like a lesson in teaching that even though a kid is starting to do something and you're like oh no can't let them do that it's like no no let them actually do the thing rather than preemptively stopping them doing something obviously i know dangerous slightly uh, different kettle of fish but like you have to try and let kids live their life to learn from it rather than stopping them at any mild hurdle because they can never learn so that's one element i had and the other so 
the other element I had was kind of the opposite, which was almost like choosing the right thing, but it was the wrong place. So what the parent did, she, her singing, it was the right thing to do. But she was surrounded by this unstable cave system. So it was not the right, it was the right thing, but the wrong place. And because he pulled her out and got her somewhere else, and then she could sing, that was it. I think my original, my first idea is probably more accurate, but I just quite liked the fact that I I had these different thoughts, interpretations of what happened. And I just love the beauty of a song, a person's own song, can you know, purify this entire planet's worth of Kyber when it takes Jedi ages to focus on a single one at a time. I love that. And the, the song part of it um, in The High Republic. I was literally going to say the same thing. Yeah. Would you want to say it? Avar Chris. Yes. She, what's cool about the High Republic is that they look into the different Jedi and how they perceive the Force. Avar Chris perceives the Force as a song. So it was cool seeing another person visualize that in that way. Because obviously she's using the Force, but in song form. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about the High Republic. Almost every new character you get introduced to, you get told how or you experience how they view the force and everyone views it completely differently one of the wookie characters views it as a big tree another one the character views it as like an ocean another one views it as like a river all kinds of different things and yeah avar chris correctly said is she perceives it as music and she senses people being alive through their song and she can hear people's songs so again high republic it's amazing um bef- is there anything you want to mention about um our song before we wrap this up i'll do a quick ranking thing but is there anything you want to add, Rhea, to this last? I mean, there's lots more I want to talk about, but I really need a wee, so... Uh... That's fine. So, we'll wrap up. <laughs> and I'm tired. Hope you enjoy that, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want, you can, you can pop for a wee now if you wanted to. No, it's all right. Let's just wrap it up. Cool. Wait, so, um, very quick then. We'll choose... Um, do you have your top two? Um, uh, I'll, I'll just say... closed down all my notes. No, that's fine. You're, I think you said that Screechers Reach was your favourite. Yeah, then, absolutely. Then I suspect Spy Dancer oh, was probably... No, it's hard. It's for, definitely for, Screech's Reach, and then I can't decide between I Am Your Mother or Our Song. Okay, fair enough. Fair, fair enough indeed. My favourite was Our Song. Then I Am Your Mother and Sif, I think, are probably Ooh. the joint second. Because I think, that, as I said, I think the visuals of Sif are so good, it just completely blew me away. And I think I Am Your Mother has just got a lot of heart to it, but Screech's Reach is just a slither under it. And I think most of the other ones just kind of are in the middle. Yeah, what about you, pretty. Megan? What was your um, what was your sort of? I think I am your mother, wasn't it? Was that your favorite? It was one? my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a second favorite? No. Cool. But do you have a least favorite? Um. I assume it was either Journey to Darkhead or the Bandit one, wasn't it? Um. I don't really remember the Bandit one that well, so probably Journey to the Darkhead. Fair. But did you like this more than? I preferred one? this considerably more than the first series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah agreed. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, we'll wrap up then. So um, you can find Megan at Grits Gets Fit on Instagram as you well. You can, as- and I have actually started re- recently posting pictures because I've got back into a routine of going to the gym, which is why I'm tired at the moment because I've woke up at half five to go to the gym. I mean, you're always tired. <laughs> I mean, I am always tired, but in particular right now. Yeah, 
I also realized I got nice up early. Though. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, be proud of the fact that I woke up at a disgusting <laughs> hour to go to the gym. <laughs> I also got up early specifically to plug the laptop in, but I didn't turn the switch on, so the battery is still starting to drain. Um, I am a fool. Um, so you can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. You can find both myself and Megan doing Patreon episodes every week after thoughts, so between 10 and 20 minutes long usually. Uh, little as £1 a month, you can get that amazing stuff. And you can check out Styles Comics in Canon and Genuine Chit Chat and stuff. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat for all those things, all in playlists and all that sort of jazz but links will be in the description including a link to visions volume one Rhea, plug away and sign <laughs> us off come and join me at the femon collective that's at femon collective on instagram or come and visit our website uh femon.show and find out all about us we are a podcast collective we bring unique voices we talk about film tv books feminism activism fitness everything you can think of really with my wonderful co-hosts ada allison jess and tonya i have to do it by the alphabet otherwise i forget us all um and we all have our own shows and it's great fun but we also talk about serious stuff we've got some pretty uh intense episodes coming up actually so i would really like it if you came and listened to those also listen to the fun stuff um i just think we're kind of unique. I think we're here to talk about things with a specific female perspective. And I think that's not really being done. Although I'm sure some people shout at me and say that it is, but that's great because we want to add to those voices. And we also want to bring a platform forward for other people to share their voices. So please do come and connect with us. It's really important that you do. And if you want to find my stuff, it's at Rhea Carrigan on Instagram. Don't bother finding me anywhere else because I can't be bothered to post there because I'm lazy. <laughs> and also, if you want to keep up to date with both myself and also everything that yes. Rhea and the Femon Collective gets up to, as well as Mr. Tony Frio, who's had a name drop here, and Spider Dan, who he mentioned at the start as well, sign up to the Pop Culture Collective. It was started by Paul DeMac, Super Dummy Paul, Era of Geek Paul, the genius behind it. It's a weekly newsletter where myself, Rhea and the Femon Collective, as well as the people I've just mentioned, and loads of other great... Um, content creators some involved with comics and motion some on the fringe but look but a handful of creators who contribute to a weekly newsletter and we just talk about the stuff that we're releasing short amount there's only one to two hundred words per person so you won't have me waffling for the entire page it's just little bits <laughs> of things that we've been up to either guest spots or content we've been releasing so it's a really great way to keep up to date with everything myself free and everyone else is doing without having to follow us on all the different social media places and hoping that the algorithm chooses you so pop culture collective links in the description please sign up but friends thank you so much for listening as always we appreciate you listening to this extra long episode thank you of course to Rhea and to Megan for joining me on this especially because Megan isn't really a fan of anime <laughs> so even more or stop motion uh, as we've established so thank you to both of you for joining me on this amazing journey We'll join up again, obviously for Disney Discussions uh, 7 in a few weeks' time, but also for Visions Volume 3, probably in a year's time. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if everyone has noticed, my camera's just lagged because the laptop's on low battery. So, friends, thank you for listening as always. We appreciate you. And, of course, may the Force be with you. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.